0: Yes, yes, welcome in to the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. It's questions from the audience. <sighs> went two hours. Thank you, Pete, little Jamie. Uh, went two hours last week. It is impossible for me. Well, I guess it's not impossible. But uh, I am sitting here on... February 12th, 2019, at one sixteen p.m. Eastern, and at 3 p.m. Eastern, uh, Dan McLaughlin and Joe Roderick will arrive for the Hot Stove Show. So here's here's my official rundown. Um, at approximately 7.15 Eastern, I drove to Roger Dean Stadium, probably got there around 7.35, 7.40. There actually is traffic here. I mean, it's not like a Highway 40 at McCausland deal, but uh some traffic not necessarily interstate or anything like that but either way it takes a little while to get there even though it's probably only god four miles from pga national uh did the program there hung around there carlos martinez addressed the media um following the uh show and then uh, had paul DeYoung on for an upcoming podcast and then drove back to the home here um, and am enjoying questions from the audience, which is my favorite thing to do. And then uh, coming up is the Hot Stove Show, and that is at 3 Eastern. So even if I wanted to go two hours like I did last week, I couldn't. Again, could I? Yes. But that means Roderick and Dan McLaughlin would be sitting here staring at me as, as I babble on and on and on with uh, Gangster Pete slash little Jamie. Back in uh, in St. Louis, so therefore I think this will be uh, less than two hours, only because I have another thing to do, another show to do uh, coming up at uh, at three Eastern. But let me tell you something, Gangster Pete, Little Jamie. It's um, young, it's
1: young Jamie, by the way, Little Jamie. I think Little insulting. Jamie sounds
0: a lot better. I think it sounds a lot better. But either way, I'm covering because I messed it up. But either way, here's the thing: I enjoyed the hell out of last week's questions from the audience. And last week's questions from the audience led to a bunch more questions from the audience. I like doing the interviews. I actually love doing the interviews. It's, it's the setup of getting the interviews that can be a whole thing. Now, being down at Roger Dean Stadium, and I'm talking about the vast majority of the Cardinal roster being accessible, um, I think we're going to get some good interviews. Like DeYoung, I, I would guess we probably went around 20 minutes. Different kind of interview than you normally hear from him. And I think I think they enjoy him because it's not like, so, has to be exciting to have Paul Goldschmidt here in camp. What do you think about your GI's chances? So I think it kind of it gets him into a different place. And either they're like, oh, shit, this guy wants to go deep. Or a guy like DeYoung, Sharp Cat, uh, I think kind of welcomes it. So we'll see. I don't know. I know Michaelis is going to be on. Well, at least I know he's scheduled to be on. I really want to get Dexter Fowler. Um... But not – and I just I, – here's the thing. Do I think Dexter Fowler will do the interview? Yes. Do I think Dexter Fowler will give me what I'm wanting in the interview? Probably not. That's my guess. We don't really know each other, and and I just don't think he's – and I'm not looking to stir the pot so much as I just know there's a lot there. And that's – that's that's I, I felt that way before Derek Gould's story, so I'm not even looking like on the depression angle. Um, but I just – we don't know each other well enough, and he's still in the middle of a contract for him to – To kind of get to the point where like Keith Kachuk and Jim Edmonds became great friends of the show because they had already made all their money. They were kind of on the tail ends of their career and they just kind of like didn't care. That's when you're going to get the best interviews. Like the interviews on this show oftentimes are different than what people have heard, not because of me, but because the people have already done their task, made their money and are able to comment on things with the benefit of the rear view mirror. I understand guys who are early in their careers um, that, that that can't do that. So totally understand um, with regard to people being careful. So anyway, we'll see what happens with the interviews. Well, the questions from the audience, I enjoy the questions. It kind of allows uh, whatever direction goes. And let me tell you something. I'm calling Gangster Pete uh, Little Jamie because I messed up, and it's actually Young Jamie. But some of you might be going, who the hell is Little Jamie or Young Jamie? <laughs> And it's Joe Rogan's producer who apparently is like chime-in guy. And let me tell you something, Gangster Pete. What's that? Um, I have been, as because I, I actually do have some form of a commute uh, when I'm driving around in, in South Florida, whether it be to the ballpark or wherever we might be roaming. And so it allows me to listen to podcasts and, and working out and running. And I'm able to listen to podcasts longer in the car than I usually do when I'm in St. Louis because it's such a short drive and the podcast of Joe Rogan with Sam Harris and I think you texted me about it I feel like Patrick Donnelly of the that's Hot hope right. show. I mean and I don't even know you know some people are like well Rogan you know Rogan's you know right wing guy and I'm listening to this podcast and he's like I've never voted for a Republican in my life. Right, and he's I'm not like, right wing,
1: well, but there are people that will say that for sure.
0: Right. Well but that's but that's my whole point. And then Sam Harris and I have no idea. I gather he's labeled as right-wing. I gather just based on what he's saying that he's labeled as right-wing. And listen, I, I know for the majority of people listening to this, they're like, who cares? And I don't even know who these people are. I know who Rogan is, but I don't listen. So just get to your fucking point. Okay, fine, I will. My point is I am in love with this show. I am in absolute love with this show. Um, and And it's because it's addressing issues... And I guess I would say it's American culture. It might be global, but I certainly feel like it's impacting the United States more. But I, you know, what what do I know as far as outside of that? What do I know in general? On these issues with, you know, it's 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 almost become like cliche to say Twitter pitchfork mafia. So I don't I don't want to I don't want to default to that. Um, but but groupthink and how people are scared to say something. Because they could be labeled as a take your pick of whatever ist, and then it could end their career. And I'm telling you, I I I, I am just seeing it. I mean, at a level I've never seen it, and it, it, it's not even close. I don't even know if I was thinking about this stuff. And and I and I was on the receiving end of the pitchfork mafia in 2013, so I knew it existed then. I kind of got it in 1999, but there was no Twitter then. So, but, what's going on now? I don't know. I'd love to know like what the cause of it is, like at the the real root of it. but I guess it is I guess it is in some capacity tribalism, and it truly is like two teams. It's like left and right, and then you hear so it's funny that I'm reading people talking about how Rogan's on the right, and then he's talking first person plural about if we run somebody who's extreme to the left, we have no chance of beating Donald Trump. And I'm going, okay, I just was reading that <laughs> Joe Rogan is on the right and he just said apropos of nothing, it was just in the middle of one of these random conversations that they have, which is why I love the show, um that you know, he's never voted for uh, a Republican in his life and uh he voted for gary johnson i gather in 2016 if i'm i guess you could probably confirm that pete yeah sure gary johnson like got
1: the joe rogan bump
0: yeah oh he got a joe rogan bump
1: yeah like people actually started talking to him after or about him after he was on joe oh, after rogan. he was on the show yeah and then he had that thing where he didn't know anything about yeah, foreign that, that, policy that, that,
0: but that usually he that got kind of hurts h- but at some at the, at the same time sometimes i feel like it actually doesn't hurt and might help you i can't figure out what's going on but my, here's here's where i'm getting at I listen to that show, and I'm like, there really isn't there isn't a direction. I mean, I'm sure he has a couple of things he wants to talk to, but it just winds up being a conversation. It, I kind of feel like I could do the same thing with David Hun, uh, who's a guest, the Post-Dispatch writer, especially as This Better Together, and the merger thing is an incredibly hot topic in St. Louis, and we could just kind of riff off each other on a variety of different topics. I'm sure there's other people that uh, that some of you listening right now be like, yeah, I'd like to hear from this person on a regular basis and just kind of... On a variety of topics, it from my standpoint, it is so. It's just such good broadcasting, podcasting, thought process. I don't know whatever term you want, to use, and I love it. So I'm glad that uh, you have reintroduced me to the show. I, in fairness, I only listened to it a few years ago, and he was like talking MMA, and that's just not really my thing. And so I'm like, oh, I get it. He's MMA guy. I get it that there's a huge audience for it. It's just personally not really my thing. So, cool, good, he's got a good show. He's been in studio on our show before with Charlie Murphy, cool guy, not, not my thing, so whatever. And now, what he's doing, I just think it's so good, I think it's so healthy that people are having these conversations um, because it is so off the wall. And I, I, I'm I, not necessarily scared to talk about it because I think it's important to talk about it What I'm, I'm, again, scared isn't the right word, I'm cognizant, of how careful one has to be in order to not like there, there's some, there was some movie that if you did something like it would make like the, the villain, like the fictitious villain in a sci-fi movie aware that you were present. And, and I don't know if you can think of what I'm thinking of Pete, cause it's a very, uh,
1: I try to avoid story. scary movies.
0: Oh dude, I didn't know that. We'll have to delve into them. <laughs> but I, I, but that, that, that if you did something then they knew that you were there. I'm sure some people are screaming at their uh, phones going how can you not think of this. But either way that's kind of how I am with this stuff, but at the same time I feel like it's so wrong and it's so obviously wrong that it's it's just, you know, let me let me put it to you this way very beginning of the podcast so you're talking October 2017 I have Clay Travis in studio um, and I know you say Clay Travis and for a lot of people who are familiar with him um, they immediately line up in in two different camps In um, whatever neither here nor there I I know Clay from having him on TMA and from having him in studio and we did an event of some capacity at Kirkwood Brewhouse together whatever and you know I my opinion, when I went into that interview with him in October of 2017, was he's very smart, um, and and it's not just that he's smart, although he's certainly very smart, but that he is tapped in to this zeitgeist of at that moment it was October 2017, but it had been going on for I guess at that point a couple of years. I think there's something to be said for the Donald Trump correlation to it, but the angry white guy, um, the angry white guy, the angry younger white guy who f- f- I, and I don't and I don't know what the reason for it is again, I'd like to delve into it and and then you can take anything from you know some p c thing s j w social justice war and like then take that one thing of that one person that did something that you're just like, this is the stupidest damn thing ever, and then tweet about it, and then have a million people laugh at it, and he was hilarious and is hilarious, and then he can mock it, and then it's like this guy, you know, it's, it's the proverbial, tells it like it is, and so he had tapped into that, even though my thought process was um, he didn't necessarily really share a lot of these views, he saw that it was a beautiful way to make a lot of money because this is what the people want, at least this portion of the population, and he is going to ride this thing into uh, a lot of money, which, you know, it's kind of Vince McMahon-esque, and one of the things that he said over the course of our interview— um, and God, we could have gone forever, but I think he said he had to, he had to get back to his hotel like for the event, and he only had I don't even know what he did 40, 45 minutes, whatever. But it was great, and he was so complimentary after the interview. Went out of his way to like talk to my, I think my parents and my wife who were up at the bar afterwards and say how he just loved the questions that were asked, and you know, and so I think there I think there's a mutual respect, you know, in the sense that and he would barely know me, I obviously know him, and he has. Um, you know, turned into, you know, he went from a college football guy to this this national radio and podcast and social media phenomenon. Um, and there was a mutual respect, at least in the exchange there. But one of the things that I felt like he said over and over again was it's not that he has changed because he used to work for, I don't recall which congressperson he worked for in D.C., um, but the person was a Democrat, and it's not like he has changed. He felt like the media has changed, and so all he's doing is observing it. And honestly, being really candid here, and I'm sure I will see Clay at some point again, relatively soon. I um, honestly, I was just like, yeah, this is this is kind of the cover. This is the 1980s WWF way to say, yeah, you know. It, here, I'll slap you. You tell me if this is real or fake. And then you slap them like, oh yeah, I obviously felt it, but there's a way to slap it to make it, you know, look and sound big when real, the pain isn't that big. In other words, kind of the cover for the game, which is, again, I, I you know, it, it doesn't really matter who the person is. If they're a talk show host or a writer, or something like I'm going to blindly follow them. So I don't take offense to it. And if anything, I tip my cap if somebody is going to make their way, especially as an entrepreneur in this business and, you know, opine and take chances. So even if I disagree with him, but when he was saying that, I'm like, oh, that's kind of the cover for what you're doing. That's what I thought. Um, and so here I am, it's a year and a half later and I see exactly what he's saying. Now, I don't know if when he said it, it was what I thought it was, which is a cover for, um, him doing what he's doing, playing to, uh, that audience that, you know, is is certainly vociferous at this particular moment. I don't know if it's as as it was or if it's even greater. I just know that it was there and he was taking great advantage of it. And it's and he, and he's a smart guy. You can't run that offense if you're not a smart guy. Uh, you have to be able to debate. And you have to be able to think three plays ahead with where medium mediums are going. Um, so in that capacity, I like I said, I tip my cap in a major way. I mean, he saw this stuff years ago but I thought that the well I haven't moved it's the media has I thought that was a kind of convenient deflection and I'm not saying that now I'm in the Clay Travis I don't I don't I don't listen to him I know his show is on before hours but I don't listen to him um, and I don't pay attention to what he's saying or writing on social media none of it's a shot it's just not it's not what interests me um, because again I always kind of thought like okay this is an intelligent guy but he's, he's he's, he's kind of playing a game, it, which might make some people go, yeah, well, then that's really intelligent, because what would you rather do, be the honest guy who isn't making much money, or be the guy who's kind of like, yeah, I'm intelligent enough, and I don't really feel this way, but in the whole scheme of things, it doesn't matter, and now I'm going to make a lot of money. For me, I am a, the, the, the former, not to say, you know, not to get into commentaries on income or anything like that, but... I want my audience to know that if I'm saying it, I think it, um, and that's where I am, and I'd like to think that's the way that I have done it for the last 20 years, and that's the way that I will continue to do it for however much longer I'm doing this, um, and who knows, I, that, could, that could end at any moment, because you never know that when they, and by they I mean whichever side wants to come and get you and make an example of you and put your scalp up on the wall uh, when they come and get you. But I don't know now that now that I'm observing this stuff, I'm telling you, it is, it's, it's, it's just, it's dangerous. And so, you know, I think I th- I'm, if I'm not mistaken, it's one of the questions that that I'll be answering here and questions from the audience today about um, the Democratic presidential nominee and who I think will win and what strategy should be implemented. And I recall. And I know I read it in her book, um, Hillary Clinton saying, and for the record, now I voted for Hillary Clinton, attack me, send emails, whatever. But I voted for Hillary Clinton and, uh, and that's something I never thought in 2004 or eight or anything like that I would ever, ever, ever say. Um, but considering the situation in November 16, I voted for Hillary Clinton and I re- so I read her book and I think it was titled what happened, um, and it was kind of a double entendre as to um, her asking herself and then also to the reader, here is what happened. I felt like it was a perfect example of why she didn't win because there was a, there was a, there was a whole lot of finger pointing and I felt like a real lack of accountability. And I, was, I was taken aback by it, actually, as I was reading it. Um, but uh, that it drove her up the wall to hear Bernie Sanders say the things that he was saying. And see it resonating with people when she knew that, in her opinion, he knew that the things he was saying were never going to get passed. And while they would be applause lines and they would garner a lot of support, especially from a progressive side of the, of the Democratic Party that it drove her up the wall because it made her look like she was conservative in comparison, but she was trying to legislate from a pragmatic standpoint, as in the things that could actually be done as opposed to the things that would sound good and then you get an office and then you can't get done. And so at this particular moment in February of 2019, you know, you're talking about, oh, what are we talking about? You're 20 months away from the presidential election, 21 months away from the presidential election, whatever the hell it is. That, uh, you know, that's kind of where the Democratic Party is at this, this particular moment. You have a number of people who uh, might be getting people excited, but they have very little chance of passing a number of the things that they're talking about. And then you have another people that would be considered centrist uh, that might not necessarily fire people up, but they would be the ones that would have the more likely chance of passing things. But who has the better chance of beating Donald Trump? And that's the thought process that's going in. And so that gets me back to full circle on the Joe Rogan thing. Which is, it's funny to me to listen to people talking about how he is on the right. And I had no, I didn't know one way or the other. I don't know. I don't know what he is. And you know what? I don't care. I have no, I hope you don't know what I am. Because I don't know what I am. I have no idea what I I know there are a bunch of people. Like they joke, oh, you're a liberal. Like when you're especially, when you're in St. Louis. where especially with the people with money. Uh, oh, Tim's a liberal. Like like I'm some kind of fucking dipshit who just doesn't hmm. know my ass from a hole in the ground. Well, I can, I can tell you exactly where I am. Uh, on the, My main thing, I am not on board with those people who use religion, especially when they're operating as modern-day Philistines and some of the greatest hypocrites in the world, and they use their WWJD bracelet as some kind of like invincible star that you got in Super Mario Brothers to act like a complete fraud, but because you got the bracelet on or the scripture in your Twitter bio that somehow you're safe from all criticism. Fuck that. Fuck that that's not what i'm not on board with and then i see how that influences the political process and it grosses me out especially when i know a lot of the people that then tap into that base have absolutely nothing in common with them but they just use them um so that is really where i am uh and then if we can get around that because i'm not going to ever be down with that i just I can't imagine a circumstance in which i'm down with that um, then I try to find who I consider to be the person who I think will act in the best interest. And that person can have an R after their name. That person can have a D after their name. And that's just, that's that's where I am. But he, meanwhile, you'll have people saying, oh, he's liberal. Now, now people might going, oh, now he's being critical of this, this movement that's going on now. Uh, and he must be coming conservative because he had a kid, which is just, that's just not, that's just not it. I don't really know. I have no idea. I don't know. I, there are so many things. And the cat used to say it on TMA about... Uh, you know, you say I'm down the middle, which I always kind of felt like, and I've told them this, and I've told them this on the air, too. I'm like, oh, I get it. You can't really say anything. You're on Fox Sports Midwest, and you don't want to. I, listen, I get that. I get that. But he's like, no, I really am just grossed out by both. <laughs> and now I think I am officially at that point. I am officially at that point uh, that now I feel like people who probably, it's kind of like the, it's like the the Republicans that I'm talking about that feel like they have to like go far to the right on social issues because they know that the Iowa caucuses and South Carolina primaries coming up and they got to appeal to that. It's now, I feel like there are a number of people who for the most part would be more on the center and certainly not extreme left or like, oh, I guess now I've got to say this shit too, because, This is what's going to get me elected and and I can't afford to not have these people or have these people call me, take your pick of whatever thing that I can never wash that label off of me and it will end my political career. That is where I feel like we are. Now, many of you listening to this might be going, yeah, dude, this has been going on for a while. I personally don't see it that way, but maybe you have seen it for a long time. But that's where I am. And so when I read that uh, Rogan, you know, again, this is like some, you know, huge publication was reading it was just paper talking about he's on on the right and then i hear him say yeah i've never voted for a republican I'm like wow it just it just shows but to me that's that's a good thing not that not that it's a good thing that he's voting democrat but it's a good thing that his opinions are so all over the board that therefore from my standpoint they're genuine like i can't imagine like having to line up with every political platform of each, either party i just can't imagine that now maybe it happens either way the, the most recent one that you told me about, Pete, and I think uh, Patrick Donnelly of our Hot Stove Show staff uh, told me about uh, with Sam Harris, another official recommend. I'm not even done with it. I'm like 88 minutes into it, and it's just so good. It's so good. It's what I aspire to. Like in 1997, I aspired to Stern, and don't get me wrong, I'm still there. That's I listen to Stern in podcasts, and now it's really basically Rogan uh, just because they're so long. But uh I appreciate the manner with which they have conversations. I love it. Joe's open-minded.
1: Like, he doesn't just stick to his team, you know?
0: Yeah. If you make a good argument,
1: he's willing to change his mind.
0: Yeah, that's another thing. And he was talking about, Harris was talking about how somebody who he was sideways with uh, in the past. And I guess this goes on. I'm glad that I'm not really, I guess it's essentially what we kind of mock on TMA, hashtag radio wars. It sounds like it's (laughs) hashtag podcast wars and people get in their little camps and take shots at each other. And uh, a lady, uh, I guess, with regard to the students from Kentucky and the controversy over the uh, Native American elder and the drum, and they were wearing the MAGA hats, and how it was portrayed initially as one thing, and then it turned out it was another thing, and some people doubled down, which I was in awe of. Right. I I truly was in awe of that uh and then some people apologized and said they were wrong and uh and I would be like yeah tip my cap good i mean you know shitty to jump the gun but i would imagine most of us who have microphones or or pens for forums uh, have made that mistake before so good you acknowledge you're wrong and sam was saying he reached out and tipped his cap to this lady and then Then he was ganged up on for saying, you know, even as this woman who had been sideways, he had been sideways with. Then they went after him and then started calling him a racist. He's just like this stuff's so out of control. I mean, it's wow. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It legitimately bothers me, and it shouldn't bother me, but it bothers me. I'm I'm worried that it bothers me, and I'm going to. Start doing things that are going to take me out of a comfort zone because I'm sitting down in Florida. It's 80 degrees. I'm looking out at a golf course. I was just at Cardinal Spring Training Camp. Things, relatively speaking, for what my bar was growing up as to where things could really realistically wind up, uh, are pretty good. And I'm, I kind of got an itch I need to scratch with some of the shit that I see. But the moment you start scratching that itch is the moment that then you get into you can get into the crosshairs, and I don't even know which who'd come after me would they come after me from the left or the right? Um, But I'm not interested in signing up for a team. I know that. And I feel like that's kind of the way the game is being played. And it's just gross. And I think it's it's not that it's gross because it's gross to me. It's gross because I think it's so dangerous. It's so dangerous. Like I would watch Republican presidential primaries when they would have to go through Iowa and South Carolina and go, man, in a way I feel badly for these guys because at the time it was almost all men. Because I know they're like having to say stuff about gays or about some social issue. And they're like, they don't really deep down feel this way. But they got t- to talk about this crap and, you know, appeal in order to and you know, just be like, oh, it's so awful. And now I think I'm going to see this here over the next 18 months um, from from the left. And it's just going to disappoint me. Because they're going to have to say things that I think deep down they're kind of like, man, if I could really be honest with you. I'm concerned that I have to say this stuff because it, it isn't real and it isn't how I feel. But if I don't say it, then I'm going to be labeled as take your pick of whatever thing that will immediately make me unelectable in the Democratic Party. It is, whoo, <laughs> fucked up. And it's dangerous. It's one thing it's fucked up. Fucked up. Fucked up's been around for a long time. But now, because Twitter is, relatively speaking, a decade-old technology, and I believe that is the thing that has accelerated this stuff, man... I'm telling you. So there, there, I didn't I didn't intend to go on a monologue, but I've gone on a monologue because I've been listening to your recommendation, Pete, on the Rogan podcast. And if people are, it's like Oprah does her book recommendations, me and Oprah, obviously same level. I'm giving podcast recommendations. And this, for me, I look forward to getting in my car and driving because I look forward to listening to these discussions. I just That's think how I start
1: my morning every day.
0: Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's so healthy. It's just... And I have no idea if it's a left or right way. I don't give a shit. It's just like a, Sam's it's left, and you thought he was right.
1: What's that? Sam Harris is on the left, and you thought he was on the right. Like that's no, I d-
0: he's, he's he said something that I'm like, oh, I guess he's. But th- that's the thing I didn't know based on what they were saying that's where my they point. were. I think most conservatives in Missouri would say they are both on the left, but the but the barometer changes by I would say by state, but it, I mean hell, Illinois, you know, Illinois is like two different states from you know chicago to, to southern illinois and you know you have missouri and missouri as people say so either way i don't know i, I, I like i said I, I gotta i gotta make sure that i monitor my time better than i did last week but uh, main thing that i want to say is there's my podcast recommendation that's kind of my monologue that i am i i, I don't know i don't know i don't because i know it ties into a couple of the questions that i'm going to answer today and it's a it's a weird spot i am I am genetically programmed or maybe it's not even genetically I just I'm never happy and by never happy I don't mean like I'm miserable at all actually I think from a personal happiness standpoint with having a child and and being in warm weather and and doing a show that I love doing I I mean you know again within the realm of what is truly a real possibility and I don't want to portray that I grew up like you know you know, something, but, but I mean, you know, it's, it's not like, it's just, it's a, it's just a little different, uh, than, than like my classmates from St. Louis University High School, for example, um, a lot growing up in the Central Corridor or Chesterfield or whatever the case might be. And so you're not necessarily expecting certain things. And then you kind of get to what you want and it's like, all right, this is cool. But if I see opportunity or I see a wrong I feel like I might risk the stuff that I've accumulated and been able to do over the last couple decades by saying some things that in 2019, that in 2010 might not have been a big deal, but in 2019 might put me in the crosshairs. But I I got, I'm just so fucking irritated by it because it's so wrong. It's so wrong and it's going to fuck things up even more. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And I, I guess I'll know I'm doing my job if everybody disagrees with me because then at that point i'm not on the left or the right and i'm not on the left or the right i know i'm not on the team of the people who use the bible to shit on people so whatever team that is i'm on the i'm in the opposite dugout that's for certain take or whatever religious book doesn't have to be the bible take your pick i'm in the other dugout don't want your support don't need your support that's where i am now if you just happen to be a faith a person of faith and you treat others like you want to be treated. And you're like, yeah, you know what? I think maybe we should discriminate against those people because this this Bible says so, or this book says so. Eh, you know, tip of the cap. But oftentimes, especially when it's entered into the political theater, then it becomes a way to utilize it as a weapon. And I'm just, I'm absolutely not on board with that. But then I'm also not on board with like picking apart people's social media or whatever they've they've said or done 50 years ago, and uh, and going, oh, see, they're a shitty. Let's take them out. Just and that's uh, it's just it's it's yeah, or just let's take one moment in time and then like apply a narrative to it and then destroy people, dox people. Fuck. Oh, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. But I got I got questions to answer and some of them aren't on my monologue. So let me let me buckle down here. Uh, first off, let me make sure that I thank Ryan Kelly, the home loan expert.com because he's the one who makes this thing possible. He's our studio sponsor. If you're buying a home, if you're refinancing, make sure you're doing business with Ryan Kelly. Online at thehomeloanexpert.com. Ryan Kelly has been the title sponsor of TMA for eight or nine years, and he's been the studio sponsor of this podcast for a year and a half. We started nearly a year and a half ago. Grateful for his support. Ryan Kelly, online at thehomeloanexpert.com. Why would you go anywhere else? Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com. Got so many questions stored up because I went so long last week that I didn't get a chance to get to him. And so now I'm going to attempt to go back to where we were. Okay, let's see. Great questions. Um, Tim, a few things that I thought about recently. Number one, not sure if this would be best for questions from the audience or just a short segment on the show, but did you happen to see the article about Bill Simmons and how he's essentially subsidizing the Ringer's online writing by making big bucks on his podcast ad revenue? He had close to $11 in revenue, I believe, from his podcast. Pete, did I talk about this last week? I know I read it, but I don't know if we talked about it. No, you didn't get into it deep. Okay. So, uh, this question's about podcasting and the business model and podcasting, and Simmons discussed how they were doing really, really well, but that he's really essentially subsidizing The Ringer, his business's site, with his podcast. And, And this gentleman, Josh, says, I think this should confirm your thoughts that podcasting is the way to go going forward. Just thought it'd be nice to hear your thoughts on the article. Hopefully one day your podcast can get to that level. Um, And so uh, the question is, you know, regarding podcasting. So, you know, great question. And for me... Uh, having done this stuff for a while, it's kind of second nature. Um, but I also recognize anytime I talk about kind of the inner workings of this stuff for 99.9% of the people listening, it's not second nature, just like I could walk into your business and for you, it's second nature. And I have absolutely no clue. But because people listen to the radio, and because of, for to an extent, we talk about the business side of radio or podcasting, I think people feel like they know about it more so than they actually do. And that's not a shot. I don't think that's that's, that's like anybody in specific. I just think it's kind of the general element of it. Like people think ratings are like a real scientific thing, and that if they're listening to something on a station in their car that it matters, and it doesn't, and they don't know about people meters, and they don't know that it's actually Nielsen, not arbitrary, all these different things. Um, when it gets down to it, it is just like any other business or marketing department that you have to give people a return on their investment. That doesn't change whatever, whatever industry you're in with regard to podcasting and applying what i'm doing here to B- bill simmons not that that's necessarily what's being done here you know when you're casting a net as wide as his you're going to be able to get downloads that you know i mean even tma for as many downloads as tma gets and tma gets a lot of downloads it's 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 not even on the it's it's not even like on the periphery of what the national companies buy um you know, so it doesn't matter. Um, but I do know, and by that I mean it doesn't matter, I'm talking about the numbers that we get, or the numbers even the TMA gets for being as popular and as around as, as long as it has been, to get to like a, a Simmons ad agency ad buy, or probably a Rogan ad agency ad buy, or I don't know who else you would compare and contrast, Mark Marin probably. So, what we have with what is at this moment, anyway, more of a local podcast is, um, you know, we have these loyal clients because they're getting business from the loyal listeners. So they are getting their return on investment, but for blue apron legal zoom, you know, take your pick of all of these companies who hear advertising on podcasts, they're buying them based on a CPM model cost per thousand. And, uh, and so Simmons is able to, to sell that. And so it's, a, and it's not just Bill Simmons. And, speaku- and so when you have more podcasts as part of that network, then you can get more downloads, which then increases the number of downloads, which is increase the number of revenue. So it's a different model. Do I think podcasting is the future? Absolutely. Uh, I think it's actually the present. It's just people will say, well, why don't you just do podcasting? And I'm like, okay, that's fine. But first off, I'm under contract to do radio for three more years, so it's kind of neither here nor there. Uh, but then secondly... Um, you know, if, if TMA generates, let's use the number, uh, arbitrarily, we'll just assign it like it's a, an algebra class X of X, how much of that would come over to podcasting if we were just on a podcast and, and any, any, we can assign any percentage to X at this point of, of the original, um, to come up with what Y would be the final result of what the revenue would be uh, and, and my guess is it would be 60% of X, and I could be wrong on that, because I think there are some things that we could do uh, and then put everything under one roof that could be different. But as far as, it's just not, it's, and, and, and on top of it, it's a local show, and the St. Louis market just isn't there yet. It's not to say that it won't be, it just isn't at this moment for a local-only podcast to truly bring in the kind of revenue that it's, that's comparable to what TMA brings in. So that's essentially that's 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 the analytic. It's a pretty easy analytic, but people ask about it. So it's not like I go, "Oh, what a dumb question." I think it's a great question. Uh, I have business advisors who say that's 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 the move, um, and I agree that it probably at some point will be. But I think the best thing at this moment is to have the radio show, especially the radio show that you know fortunately is you know going on 15 years. Uh, and has a following, and then start building up the new thing as, as you go, which is, is what we're doing with this. But I love doing it, and as we said last week, when I don't know what the, what the question was, we came up with it, I feel like on TMA, even though I'm the point person, that I think of, of the five people who talk on air, I think I talk the least, or the fourth, uh, maybe just ahead of the plowhawk, depending on if he's Banty that day. So this forum allows me to kind of expound uh, whereas like if like, just like for example, like if Doug or the cat were going off on these kind of tangents that I go off on questions from the audience while the other two hosts are sitting there, we'd, lo- we'd look at each other like, what in the hell' is this guy doing? you know but when it's just me and the microphone and gangster Pete uh, in the world headquarters there, It just allows for an expansion of thought, and you don't have to worry about getting to this or getting to that or making sure that the other person gets their airtime, not that any of us give a shit about who's talking, you know, or whatever. It's just a conversation. You don't work together for as long as we've worked together and care about that stuff. But um, at the same time, you you know, if you're doing a a three-person show, and TMA is really kind of an ensemble with the producers and the audience being as active as they are, you know, if one person was talking only, it would be really fucking weird. So um, it's just a different style of show, which I personally love doing. So to answer your question, Josh, I think you're right. Um, I think the Sim, I think, let me put it this way. Simmons, the information that Simmons gave out and it's a private company, if I'm not mistaken. So it's not like this is validated on the market, but assuming it's accurate is encouraging for what I, it validates what I think the medium is going. Um, it's not really, and also it's not that surprising because I think it's kind of obvious that it's happening. Um, but, but, but what he is doing versus what we are doing and anybody else doing a local podcast, it's in two different worlds. People, it's, a, it's almost like a tell in this business. So somebody starts talking about their downloads and they have a local podcast and I'm just kind of like, yeah, I know that deep down, you know, it might sound good, but I, it's kind of like when I started inside stl.com and people were talking about hits and like hits were this glamorous number, but it didn't mean shit. Same deal. Now page views, unique visitors, um, you can talk about downloads all day long, but unless it's at a certain point, the, the national companies that make those buys, they don't care. So what we care about here is that you make sure that if you get the chance to do business with Ryan Kelly or Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, that you do business with them because uh, those are the, the local clients who make this program possible. And so it's just a different model. Um, and that's the thing that I think people, um, you know, from a podcasting standpoint, that's that's the direction I think it's going Um, I just, I, I feel like it's, I feel like it's obvious, but, uh, you know, it's also probably generational in, in some capacity because there are plenty of people who just go, yeah, I don't know how to do it. And then they just kind of stay away from doing it. Like my dad, for example, you know, uh, Timmy, I don't know how that shit works. I don't know. Your mother's going to have to show me. I don't know. And I'm like, okay, here, button here, button here, play. And he's like, Well, I'll tell you what. I was listening to that Wit podcast. That's a good guy. And I'm like, oh, you figured it out because it's two button. You're hitting two things, and then you're listening to it. So, you know, it's, 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 sometimes it's like the wall seems a lot bigger than it is in between the old and the new. And then once people get on board with it, then it's like, why wouldn't I do this? I always say it's Netflix for audio. It's on demand. You listen to the topic you want to hear them talk about. I mean, back in the day, and by back in the day, I'm even going just like five years ago, and you're driving along, and you're listening to take your pick, whether it was us at 920 or 101 or whatever, and they're talking about the blues, and you're like, man, I want to hear about the Cardinals in the offseason. Fuck, you know, I don't want to hear this. What are you going to do? You probably flip around and start listening to music, or you just sit there and grind through it. Well, now you can get the content when you want it specific to what you want. Why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't? And, and from the personalities you want, you're like, oh. So-and-so's on today, I'm not interested. That's how I was with Pardon the Interruption. Love Tony Korniser and Michael Wilpon. They got fill-ins in. Yeah, I'm probably not gonna watch it. I remember that deal. So it's obvious because it makes it's it's just logical. The issue from the advertising standpoint is how do we actually track it um, accurately. Because just because it shows that it was downloaded, it doesn't mean that it was listened to. And even if it was listened to, it doesn't mean that the person listened to it in its entirety. And so that's the thing, and I'm talking about big marketing companies, that's the thing that they're are having a tough time uh, handicapping. Hey, Mark Hanna knows people are listening because his phone's ringing. And I know that Mark Hanna's good people because I've gotten to know Mark Hanna. And Mark Hanna is exactly who you should be dealing with. I've been talking about one of our sponsors and the work he can do to help you with your finances. And this is the time of year those tax forms start coming in. I got hit with three of them in one batch of mail last week. Mark Hanna reminded me that last year the government passed a tax law that lowered taxes for most people to some of the lowest we've ever seen. But the W-2s and 1099s are coming in. So think about how much of what we make goes to paying taxes. Taxes are already one of the biggest expenses that most people ever pay. Do you ever think about what might happen if taxes go up? This is a great time to look ahead to the future and come up with a strategy. Mark Hanna with Evergreen Wealth Strategies helps everyday people every day. Get their finances organized. Give him a call at 314-889-0503 or go online at evergreenstl.com. It's Mark Hanna with Evergreen Wealth Strategies. I am so happy to hear so many of our listeners have called him because your life is just better. I, I started doing something that just, it's so damn basic, and now, uh if I were doing this stuff just a couple years ago, I, I, I probably, I, I would have stopped spending like I was spending. But it was so obvious because I was running budgets for my businesses. It's pretty basic. Why wouldn't you run one for yourself? Now, I'm not saying everybody should set up a budget. but And, and I think when people think budget, it's like, oh, I can't spend this. No, it just, it just lets you know what you're spending. So you just have a grasp on it. It's really basic. And it, just, and it can change your world. And that's what Mark helps you do, not set up budgets, but just let you know what you have. And if what you want, here's what you need to do. 3148890503. All financial advisors are not created equal, man. And even if they are created equal, which they're not, they certainly don't run the same offenses. Mark Hanna, difference maker for your life. 314 889 0503. Up we go into another question. Ooh, this is a long one here. But uh let's see if let's see, let's see what we got here. I think this is I saved it, so it must have been must have been worthy of being saved. Tim, a question that has been on my mind is whether or not you ever worry about the radio show getting stale. Ooh, look at this. Please don't take this as a criticism, as I've been a loyal listener for years, but I have wondered if this is something that's been on your mind and is part or a lot of the impetus for your podcasts. The basis for my asking this question is that these days I mostly catch up on TMA through podcasting, as much as it's joked about, I read I read the show notes that Iggy puts together. I think, actually, Gangster Pete, you are show notes these days, correct? That's right. Allegedly, uh, so he put an allegedly on the back end, and will choose to listen or not to listen to a segment. Some of the things that cause me not to listen are some of the longstanding elements of TMA, with my attitude being been there, heard that. In this category, I would put things like anything involving Iggy and or porn, WW recap, Big Al calling in, Francesa drops, and Doug being sexually harassed. If there is left-wing versus right-wing political talk, I avoid those segments like The Plague. I've enjoyed these individually over the years and still do if I'm listening live, but I would say all these things are predictable and I don't feel compelled to download and listen. The stuff I absolutely make sure I'm tuning in for is when the show's talking sports after a big event and or news and anything to do with the state of and the future of the St. Louis region. As a disclaimer, I'm 47 years old, married. Uh, White guy with kids, so I may not be the target demo for TMA, but I do support the sponsors with my role, Ball So Hard. I do listen to probably 98% of your Tim McKernan shows, podcasts, and all the hot stove shows you're doing with Dan McLaughlin. So I've wondered if you personally want to do more with smart sports discussions and state of the region stuff, and you view these as a better outlet than TMA to try and summarize this long-winded question, is it safe to say TMA is what it is at this point? And what I like about it is better off being accessed through Tim and the hot stove podcast thanks that comes from Jeremy all right good question um I'm sure if it was posted on the fan page people would go ooh <laughs> uh but i i like I think it's a good think it's a good question um let's see how do I want to i th- I think and I and my answer is sincere so it has the official disclaimer of everything is said respectfully and I mean that um TMA, I don't I don't think it's getting stale at all. I think people now, having had this discussion, people then start using that, but I have read TMA or The Morning Grind even, so we're going back to 2004 through 2006. Oh, it's the same thing. But that was usually said by people who didn't like the content. And then it was always weird because if it's getting stale, then why are you still listening to it? And I'm, And I'm not saying that to you, Jeremy, or anybody in particular. It's just like what I was talking about with podcasts, especially now. It's like getting a DUI now. I mean, there really wasn't a justification for it before, but now with Uber, it's like, really? I mean, how can you really fuck that up? Um, and so if you really don't like a show now and you're bitching about it, it's kind of like, oh, it's sad. You don't know how to podcast. Or you just are self-loathing and you're going to listen to shit that makes you miserable. So I think, TMA, I think TMA, for example, right now in 2019, is a great deal different than TMA in 2018, at this time. I would, how, you would say, well, how is that? It's still the same. I go, well, I'm the one who's hosting it, and therefore I would be able to go into the weeds of why. Um, and I would say uh, one thing that I can tell you right off the bat no guess. Don't want guess. The best parts of the show are not guess. I love guess. When, like I interviewed this morning Jack Flaherty on TMA. Now the cat wasn't there because he was doing Fox Sports Midwest stuff so he was inside the building and Doug was on in the studio in St. Louis so he couldn't see him so I just handled the interview. And in that case, I'm all for interviews. Just like, by the way, this isn't because I was the one doing the interview. Let's say that I were back in the studio and Doug were sitting at the picnic table. And because to me an interview is a conversation. An interview is not, "Oh, I got to ask a question because I haven't asked a question yet and I need my voice to be heard." Cuz then it's a press conference. There's no flow. And then it sucks. And then on top of it, if it's three on one, or five on one, or 20 on one, or whatever a press conference oftentimes is, or if the Super Bowl 100's on one, uh, then the person just, I think, subconsciously is on the defensive. Don't want to say anything that could get him into trouble. Even if you make a joke, it can get into trouble. An interview, oftentimes, more often than not, is one on one. And and it's a conversation. And so as I've said a number of times when discussing interviews, my next question comes from my guest's previous answer, just like a conversation. So when it comes to TMA now, there's just we just don't do the interviews. I guess I'm I'm just I it's it really I should I blame myself that it went on as long as it did. It's yeah, it's bad radio. It's bad radio. Now, if if the cat if we were to air like like he has Tyler O'Neill on the cat chat this week, if we were just to air that and it's in its entirety, I'd be all for that. But I'm not interested in having Tyler O'Neill on and he's on the phone line and me, Doug, and the cat are sitting in the studio and there's no flow. I'm not interested in that. So it's not that I'm anti-interview. Fuck, I love interviews. This this podcast was essentially founded on interviews. But it's I'm I'm anti-shitty interviews. I'm anti press conferences. I'm anti beat writers coming on and like asking shit that we already have discussed. It it's just like. Blah. It's so it's so outdated, and it kind of goes on, I guess, in St. Louis. I don't know. It's just eh, whatever, and I guess it's it's not for our demographic anyway. So so that's 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 me. And I remember coming into KFNS in two thousand two and saying I'm against. They used to do this thing called the Homer Roll, where they would just read who had a home run the night before. And I go, guys, this is fucking terrible. I mean, who cares? So-and-so hit their 13th last night. Okay, let's take a look at the Phillies and Braves game. So-and-so hit their 12th last night. And they looked at me like I was an ass, especially I was 24 years old. I go, yeah, I just, like, I wouldn't listen. Why, why would you listen to that? And then I said, and then I'm not interested in having B writers on, like a guest every segment? I mean, what are they paying us to do? We're hosting. I go, so, Kamish, how did Jack Flaherty's bullpen session look? I mean, but that's what it had always been in the market. And maybe it's still going on. I don't know, but I just know I don't listen. It's just, it's just boring, and it's for older people, and it's fine. And if that's what they like, that's what they like, but that's not what we do. Um, and, and so I never get angry about somebody being critical of it because it's like, yeah, it's a taste thing, you know, and obviously there's a following for it. As far as, like, the the, the humor things, I think it's different because, using example one, how there's no guests anymore. Number two, um, Iggy is now, like, this prime character and I always knew Iggy was a character. Like, I was sitting yesterday after um, the Cardinal workouts, and I was sitting at this table with Kyle McClellan, Benjamin Hockman, and Derek Gould. And we were just bullshit because I was waiting to get some people to get him on the podcast. And uh, and Hockman goes, God, could you have ever seen Iggy becoming this important part of the show? And it's a weird thing, so I'm going to answer candidly here. And my answer is yes. That's why he's on it. <laughs> you know and I I'm, and, I'm, and I know I guess I guess it, I get in an odd way my recognition of Iggy being unique can be if somebody's looking for it can be like a brag which is not it's just it's kind of what I it's my responsibility to spot this stuff and uh, and to make to also my responsibility to not bring in negatives into the family so to speak uh, and if you see one becoming a negative make sure that you, t- you tend to it and however it needs to be tended to but but Iggy's personality is is you can't create it. It's it is who he is. Uh, he doesn't give a shit what people say, <laughs> and therefore he is perfect for what we do. And then he goes. Then what about the plow hawk? Or he call them plow boy. And um, and I'm and again I'm kind of like I know i gonna come off wrong, but yeah. The first time he was hired by Nine Twenty as a board operator, he was filling in on our show, and I heard his voice, and I'm like, holy shit, what is that? I gotta tap into this, you know. I gotta utilize that. So. Plowhawk in the last year has gotten banty. Now, that pisses some people off, but at the same time, it's about emotion. So whether you're liking it or disliking it, it's getting a reaction, and he's being serious. Now, if he started giving takes just to piss people off, I'd be totally against that. But he's dead serious, and he's taking some unpopular lines, too. And then Iggy couldn't be more serious, too. He is who he is. He's unapologetic about it, Um, and he doesn't give a shit if people make fun of him about it. And then he'll fire back, too. And then you still have... So, so from my standpoint, the dynamic is is just you know, and it's also you can bring in Charlie or Jay, and we don't miss a beat. So, you know, I, 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 I would I I don't like to say that it's as good as it's ever been because then then it kind of then it then it's like it's like when now I get when Larusso would be asked about how does this team compare to, this? and he's like oh, I don't want to get into comparisons, but then because it, it could be taken as a shot, at at anybody or any. But from my standpoint, knowing you know kind of dynamics, um, you know, and I guess I'm privy to things you know behind the scenes, I suppose. I mean, KFNS management, ownership, management, whatever—they just leave us alone. They just leave us alone. And for doing what we do, what else could you ask for? Because it's not like we're like asking them for stuff. So we just do our thing. And and for me. Personally, which is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about a dynamic, um, I don't have to operate anything anymore at this particular moment. Now, who knows if that'll change, but, but at this particular moment, I mean, from 2010 through like a month of 2017, I was responsible for at the very least two shows selling advertising for two shows and operating those like businesses or from 2013 through 2016 re- operating radio stations. And in, in part of those years, doing two shows, doing TMA and doing the show with Jim Edmonds. And so from a dynamic standpoint, there were days where I was just, either I was exhausted and I wasn't very good, or my mind was on business stuff that I certainly couldn't talk about on the radio. And, and so I wasn't in a really good place. Uh, and at that time, not that, not that the show wasn't good without Iggy, or not that the show wasn't good without um, The Plowboy, but, uh, you know, those guys weren't a part of it for, for portions of those times. We had producer Joe, and he was in Kevin Lorenz, a.k.a. the non-gay. But, uh, you know, it's just different, and part of it is different because I'm not in that spot where I have to deal with that stuff anymore. And it was – and if I do get back into that spot ever, you know, whether it be from an ownership standpoint or however it would be laid out, I just I, – I also from – I've learned from that experience that I cannot host TMA or a show, take your pick of whatever it would be, and then also operate a radio station. I can't do it. So, you know, if we're building a business model, I would, with my partners, make sure that we set aside X amount of dollars for essentially a general manager, because I can't do it. I won't do it. I can't do it. I, I can't do it. I ran myself into the ground. It was not good for me personally. So that's why when I talk about the dynamic of the show, I disagree. Now, I know you're talking about, Jeremy, the content, but I'm talking about the so many of these factors that, that aren't, you know, people aren't aware of, nor why would they be or should they be, but just as, just as an FYI. So your question, however, is, am I doing podcasts now because I'm bored by, I don't know if you said bored by, but that I want to get into some serious stuff. And the answer to that is no. Um, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good thought process. I think it's a a very astute thought process. It just happens that the answer is no. I love I want to do more, I could do more broadcasting. If you said um, you could make, I don't know, let's just use another 25% more, but you have to run the station. um, And you're not going to do your podcast anymore, and you're not going to do a hot stove show, but you're going to make 25% all in, you know, combining everything now that I'm making from from KFNS, from Inside STL, from my company with McLaughlin, the hot stove show. And I'm going to, I'm not going to have to do the podcast and not going to have to do the hot stove show, but I'm going to have to do TMA and then operator station and you're gonna make 25% more than you make right now with all those other things. Would you do it? And my answer would be no, which I know might sound whatever, but that's the, that's a, just giving you an honest answer. It's a no, it's a no, because I don't want to go back to that because it was really, I just, it, it, it was too much and it was, it was not good for me. It was not, it just was not good. Uh, and I also don't think I was that great at it. That's, that's another thing. I just think there are people who are much better at it. And we're at a point now that I think we could hire those people and, um, it would be better for everybody, myself included, but, but for the business, just because I think, you know, you know it's just not my strong suit. I did it out of necessity in the past. Um, and then secondly, doing these kinds of shows are my creative outlet in some capacity. And it allows me to get into things that perhaps doug and the cat don't want to get into or they might it might be awkward for them because of their television jobs whatever the case might be not that they, we've ever had that conversation by the way so i don't want to make it sound like that there's embargoed topics or anything um but i i have always said because there was talk in 2012 ish of me doing afternoons on kfns in addition to doing mornings and i said i'd be happy to do it and we were actually talking about a dollar figure um I said, but the thing is is that um, who I actually am when it's just me talking uh, would really surprise the people who listen to The Morning After, The Morning Grind, whatever, because I'm much more serious than what they hear on The Morning After, Morning Grind. Like, you know, I'm not, I don't don't even know what people would think that I'm watching. I mean, I assume people think I'm watching Brazzers all the time, but like (laughs) as far as television programs, what I'm watching... And, like, on Sunday mornings, I look forward to watching Meet the Press. I look forward to watching Chris Wallace. You know, I I, I drink my coffee and I watch that. You know, that's, I love watching documentaries. I can't wait to watch documentaries, you know. But I'm also fascinated by porn. And it's like, oh, my God, he's, like, he's had porn. We can't hire him because he's had porn. And it's like, okay, they don't hire him. I don't fucking care. I don't need you to hire me. But it's, it's a really weird thing because of the, the, the attachment of that with – it's like like the two can't coexist. So, of course, there are, there are millions and millions and millions of people interested in it, but just, they don't talk about it. But I'm just fascinated by all these – I'm fascinated by religion also, fascinated by certain angles of sports topics. But I'm not – I'm bored by 15-second canned answers. You know, and like breaking down wins above replacement. It's just not for me. But that's not shitting on it as a topic. It's just not the topic that excites me. I get bored, so I'm not interested in doing it. So the things that I'm talking about on the Tim McKernan show are the things that that interest that interest me, and and it's not to say that it wouldn't interest Doug or the cat. It's just these are kind of in my wheelhouse, and on in this forum we can go a little little longer. In, as opposed to, um, you know, with five voices on TMA, three in particular, but really, I mean, Plowhawk and Iggy are active on air. Um, but I mean, I, I don't know how many times I've gotten the compliment, and I think you kind of said it there, Jeremy, with your email, that um, TMA is at its best when you guys are talking about serious conversations, uh, serious topics in your conversations, I should say. So. You know, it's one of those things. It's like, well, I know those guys are dipshits, but when they talk sports, they do it really well. I mean, all three of us can do it. You know, I mean, I I, I think I think everybody would agree with that. It's just I in in the middle of February, I'm just there's just there's not a circumstance in the world minus like the the arenas fall, like imploding tonight uh, for the blues and devils in which I'm going to spend a half hour on the show on that. It's just not going to happen. And before blues guy gets angry. It could be the Cardinals and the Marlins in April, and I'm just not gonna. Do, it's, I'm not gonna do that either. Missouri basketball—they blew a lead against Texas A and M. I don't know. They, they fucking suck. I don't really pay attention to them. I'm not going to waste. We're not going to do this. We're going to check the box on all the topics, and then that way everybody can say we're. Ta- I don't care. So you said I didn't talk about Missouri basketball. You didn't talk about the Blues. Fine. Don't listen. I don't. It just doesn't. Here we're going to talk about the stuff that interests us. And it's going to resonate with the audience because it's going to be talked about with some form of passion, which therefore is going to lead to emotion for people, whether they like it or dislike it, or they're going to laugh. And that's how we're going to do this. And that's what we have done. Um, but with regard to the podcast, I take that to another level because now it's just what I personally am interested in. Um, and then and I love what's happened with the questions from the audience thing, which was just kind of like a way to get Plowboy and Iggy in initially and just kind of fuck around with them. And then it's wound up leading to all these questions that, that allow for... Um, expounding so i'm i legitimately enjoy questions from the audience and help might do it um might do it a couple times a week hypothetically you lose a host either doug or jim and everybody wants tma to come to an end here this week i guess hypothetically you use a lose a host either doug or jim and your two standby backup guys charlie and jay and you get your pick to fill in the third chair who do you take in the tma fantasy draft my pick brad thompson uh, that comes from Casimir. Somebody's, uh, well, who knows? Whatever. That's what the email says. Uh, I don't, I've, I've probably listened to Brad Thompson on the radio for less than five minutes. That's not some kind of passive aggressive shot at 101. I just don't listen. And, that, and I doubt that Brad Thompson's listening to TMA, but I do know that I would, if I were owning a radio station, I would try to hire Brad Thompson in a heartbeat. I think Brad Thompson's awesome on Cardinal games and I understand he's really, really good on the radio as well. Um he's just he's a, he's he's hilarious. He's knowledgeable on a variety of topics outside of baseball. I just think he's you know, he's a stock that is already risen but will continue to rise in broadcasting. Um I don't know if that's who I would go to. I've been asked this a few times. I mean if you if you're taking Doug and the Cat and Jay and Charlie off the table, uh I think the world of Young Page views from Barstool, but I don't know if Young Page views from Barstool is going to be leaving New York City and moving back to St. Louis to do radio. Uh, I have a good rapport with learn. Uh, I really enjoyed my podcast with, uh, David Hun. with that. He was just a guest. And then I'm like, fuck man, we could do a show. I don't know if I said this to him, but David, if you're listening, fuck man, we could do a show. Um, so, you know, that's kind of where I am. I, and I'm also at a point now where, cause I used to have this happen and I, maybe someday I'll tell the story. It's, it wouldn't be good now though, because it involves a variety of things and whatever it's horrible broadcasting on my part because it's like i got a secret and i can't share it but essentially a few years ago and it still goes on to an extent now but uh you know you should do a show by yourself and i'm like i can't do a show by myself or i can do a show by myself but it wouldn't be any good and i think because i always viewed my career as tied to this this ensemble and now from doing the podcast, I'm like, oh, I could definitely do a show by myself. And I, in a way, kind of am interested in doing a show by myself. Not to say that's I'm leaving TMA or like that, like I said, under contract three years. But uh, just now I know I can, which was an accident from doing questions from the audience and doing the podcast and having to just talk. You know, like I, I guess at this point, Pete, I've been talking, let's see if we're on the same page clockwise for about 55 minutes. Is that accurate? Yeah, about that. Okay. And I could go another three hours if I needed to, um, but my mind's just fucking weird, you know. It's always going, and so I don't even know if I would go a co-host route. But as far as people that I have worked with, in the sense that actually done done some stuff with, young page views, learn from Shee, David Hunt from the Post Dispatch. If you're taking Doug the Cat, Charlie, and Jennings off the table, I'm trying to think if there's anybody else. Um, but those 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 three stand out. I think uh, learn is awesome and we have great chemistry. young pageviews and I um, that that was that was its own little world that day and then the David Hunt thing you know if it were to go more of a you know um, serious discussion you know people are like I want you to get more into the St. Louis issues and listen, I'm happy to I enjoy talking about it uh, in a major way, but um, you know I, I also know some people are like, yeah, I don't want to hear about about that stuff so it's 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 to take your pick um you know discussion which allows you with podcasting you can you can fast forward should you not care i haven't gone to anything on the fan page and i want to make sure that i do uh and there was a good one in here from uh, timmy recaps if you had to be a week-long fill-in host on any show on any genre late night political broadcast xm radio morning gossip hot take sportscast podcasts like rogan anything which would you choose? Which would fit you best? Which would you most enjoy? Which would most help any forward career path? Discuss. K. Okay, thanks. Bye. Uh, thank you. Timmy Recaps. That's the theme of the questions here today. Um, so at least we're consistent. Pete, you'll have an easy theme for um, your social media posts. Uh, I would think actually a Rogan-like show. That that would be my answer, and it, it's like it, I feel like it's kind of obvious. Actually, it's, it's obvious to me. I'm not saying this is obvious to the people listening, but to me, that's 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 my answer. Gangster Pete, what's your answer? Yeah, Rogan type show. Yeah, that's just like hot take sports cast. I'm out on that. Can't no, I and mean, you
1: can find that anywhere. There's nothing. <laughs> and it's and there. it's not
0: my it's not my modus operandi. Right. I I, I don't. Very rarely in, is there a, a game I watch or an activity going on off the field where I'm like, I've got to scream about this. You know, I just can't possibly. But when I see people's careers being destroyed or their reputations being destroyed by social media gangs or people who have money and financial incentives in destroying people, that actually does piss me off. So if Stephen A. Smith is going to scream about the Sixers and he and that really gets him, God bless him. Personally, I assume it's an act, and it's an act that he's taking to the bank and doing very well with. So God bless him. But for me, that's the shit that gets me pissed off, and that's kind of where I am now in my career. That I'm looking at that stuff, and I'm like, I've got to, you know. Well, I have a choice, I suppose. And it would, it'll be more at least at this particular moment on this forum um, to talk about it, just because. And I've talked about it before, like kind of like doing like almost a media podcast. I'm not talking about like a Dan Caesar column gossip. I'm talking about like pointing out things that, that are right in your face, but you don't realize what they're doing to manipulate. And then like the inconsistency of it, it's just, it's gross. But that's been going on for a long time. This social media shit is, and how people are just getting, oh, it's, oh, it's so grotesque. Uh, Let me see if there's anything on here. I feel like I should do one more. Uh, Let's see. Um, do you have any theories as to why the Cardinals, at least publicly, could be different buying closed doors? Seem to have flipped on their preference for long-term contracts from last season. Why do you think they were willing to take on 10 years of Stanton last year, but this offseason have said they don't like those long-term deals? Whenever asked about Harper slash Machado, uh, I just I, I this is probably the question I wouldn't have picked if I were to just weren't just scrolling down. It's not shitting on the question. It's just I can't. At some point, Bryce Harper and Manny Machado are going to sign, and I can't wait until they do because I can't wait to see what it winds up going for. Um, but w- with regard to the, I can't I can't say anything until it's done. But it's not like the Cardinals have said we're out on them. You know, people are saying the Cardinals are out on them around them, but I'm just not sure that they are. Now they might be, and people saying Tim, they're out on them, and then they they don't sign them. They're, see, I always told you they were out on. them. I don't know, but I'm just telling you until until the body's buried i don't feel like i can can like pontificate on it so that's where i am on that i agree though if they aren't in on them and then they say well we were uncomfortable with a long-term contract then what changed between stanton and harper using them as an example and it might just be as simple as we just valued stanton way higher than people see bryce harper and that's That could be as simple as that. Talked about that a little last week. Hey, uh, James Carlton, State Farm Insurance agent, has been with us from the very beginning. He's online at carletoninsurance.net, 314-961-4800, or go online at carletoninsurance.net. I was so impressed with James that I switched to him. This is 100% true. It's not part of the spot. It really is what happened, Uh, and we just loved it the customer service and how helpful he has been. I can't say enough good things about him. 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. And when I was doing the spot for him and not actually working with him, you know, I I went over to his building and met his staff and I'm like, "Good for you guys for making sure that you have a live person answering the phone and that people aren't just going to go to voicemail or, you know, emails that aren't going to get answered." I was impressed by that, but now that I'm with him, it's, it's the attention to detail and making sure that things don't slip through the cracks that could leave you exposed. It just matters. And I guess, you know, and I don't know, I could be wrong on this. It's not necessarily fair. But I feel like a lot of people kind of like don't know what to do. They go, well, I guess I'll just start selling insurance. And, and that's not, that's certainly not everybody. But I, I feel like that can pop up. Well, this is his business. This is his, this is his career. And he is really good at it. And there's a difference. There just is. And it's that's why I made the switch. I didn't need to make the switch. Um, I'm just I was just that impressed. So that's why I recommend them to our audience. Three one four nine six one forty eight hundred, or go online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton, Pause, pause. State Farm. All right, there, there, I got so many more questions, and I just couldn't get to them all. And I hate that. I don't know. Maybe we'll do a surprise question from the audience. But I got to do the hot stove show with Dan McLaughlin coming up here in a matter of seconds. So I got to shut this one down. As always. Uh, thank you to Gangster Pete for being on the ones and twos. Thank you to our sponsors, thehomeloanexpert.com, Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, and, of course, Mike Judy of MikeJudyPresents.com, and Johnny Landoff Chevrolet Highway 270 in the Washington Elizabeth exit, online at Londoff.com. Thank you for listening. Please spread the word and subscribe and give great reviews and all of that stuff. And if you missed the interview this week, David Eckstein, our guest, Paul DeYoung coming up. Jay Williamson coming up. We have all kinds of interviews. We'll keep getting as we're down here in Jupiter, Florida. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Gangster Pete for producing. I'm Tim McKernan. This has been another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios.